Hello everyone, good afternoon. Welcome to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast number 353, a little bit of history. On the way, Pipping the Millers, Mind the Gap and our international fleet. My name is Michael Bailey. Joining us here this Monday afternoon at Archon Towers, we have Chief Norwich City Correspondent Paddy Davitt. Good afternoon to you, Pat. Good afternoon, my friend. And our corresponding colleague, the metrosexual Alan Partridge, David Freezer. How are you, Dave? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Trying not to live up to that title as best as possible. <laughs> I like your shirt tonight. Today it's a lovely, lovely coloured shirt. What is sort of burgundy? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get <laughs> Ron Burgundy thrown at me as well as Alan Partridge. <laughs> okay, glad you're well, Dave. Uh, so uh, just before we get stuck into the proper stuff, remember you can get in touch with us here to share your thoughts, set our agenda. Just send an email to thepinkin at archon.co.uk or get in touch via all the usual social media channels. Uh, and make sure you don't miss a single podcast uh, of the remaining um, weeks. Uh, as of course, uh, it's not long to go now. Only eight games, and you can find all the details over at pinkin.com com slash podcast just before we get into quiz time paddy are you well oh you, hello you've magicked up a flapjack and now i've and now i've caught you eating it so that's uh, sorry about that Obviously i feel bad now professionalism michael <laughs> well my part yeah no, absolutely it's <laughs> tasty though looks nice Fru- fruit and coconut yeah yeah otherwise the backdrop to this podcast would have been a grumbling belly and that's not a good look so. we, we've had a few like that before haven't we we have had a few okay it is quiz time so um as is customary we like to ask a question from football school the amazing quiz book uh, that you indeed uh, found Paddy around the office uh, we are now utilising to full effect Dave have you chosen one? I have this is exciting so um, Dave will ask the question we will answer it uh, in our Pink and Norwich City podcast Extra Time which you can catch exclusively on the Pink and app go on Dave um, I quite like this one it's almost got hints of the late great BBC Radio Norfolk commentator Roy Waller oh. as you will uh, soon uh, be able to put those uh, things together uh, right before the 2002 World Cup, Brazil coach Luis Felipe Scolari made a promise to do something if his team won the trophy. When his team won, he stuck to his word. What did he do? <laughs> of course, Roy uh, promised to run naked round Norwich if Norwich won the title, didn't he? And, uh, did he ever do it? He did it in his underpants, yeah. didn't he, early in the morning. So no, then. <laughs> but I, I believe photos exist. Um, anyway, Big Phil, who later went on to manage Chelsea, didn't he? Um, did he, A, uh, promise to walk 10 miles on foot to a Catholic shrine, B, appear on Brazilian TV in his underpants, C, two, eat 2002 bananas, or D, sing the Brazilian national anthem dressed up as the World Cup trophy? <laughs> I, like, I like the last one. Um, I can't imagine Big Phil doing any of them, really. He's got me the bananas. Do you think? Do you think? That was the one I thought. No, no. no. <laughs> that is definitely one that the uh, the authors of uh, what's it called Football School, the amazing quiz book, have come up with. I think. Woof. Um, I'm not sure. Well, we're going to have a bit of time to think about it. Dave's looking very smug that we don't know. Dave's going to find the answer, and uh, as I said, you'll be able to watch us. Um, digest that answer um, and not the 2002 bananas over at the Pinken app Uh, if you haven't got it already then just download it from either Google Play or the App Store
So this was the week that was just gone. That one, that week there, which only uh, wait no, it had two games, didn't it? I've, I've written only I've written only the Rotherham game, but of course we had the Hull game as well. So um, Hull Norwich won. It wasn't necessarily straightforward. There was a bit of acrimony over you know, oh Tim Krull made a mistake and and the fans were ironic cheering and oh and then uh, the home fans were a bit oh but uh, it's okay because they won and then they did that again at Rotherham, didn't they, Paddy? So all in all, as far as weeks go, when you out out of the emotional uh, trauma of it all it looks quite good on paper yeah and then you throw in Leeds Sheffield United result as well which I suppose ideally you'd probably want Leeds I personally thought Leeds win knock out Sheffield so that tightened things up but in that context which was 45 minutes or so before kickoff at Rotherham it looked a little bit dicey in terms of you know considerably tightening up so in that context to respond again and what they were faced with in terms of Rotherham's earthy approach it was uh, yeah it struck me because I didn't I wasn't on the pod last week but I think the week before I think we had a bit of a debate about you know at some point in these next sort of 10 as it was 11 games there there they will be tested and they won't be able to outscore teams and it'll be can they do the uglier stuff and can they keep a, uh, the back door closed and Albeit they still haven't really kept uh, the clean sheets, I'd like to see. I think that's been definitively proven now because they haven't by any stretch. Swansea, Hull, Rotherham, don't think they've hit their stride. Millwall, in terms of the football that got them into this position, but what they are doing is finding ways to win and not ways you would associate readily with this group of players in terms of what their strengths are. Their strengths aren't putting their head on corners and uh, fighting and scrapping for balls but they can boy can they do it and um, you know having seen that evidence over the past week especially I don't see them getting stopped now I think it's just a case of whether they go up first or second you could um, I mean the the Rotherham fans were Seemed a little bit disappointed that Norwich weren't this uh, beautiful, free-flowing football side that they'd uh, they'd um, been uh, well sort of warned about beforehand. Uh, I think there's lots of uh, extenuating circumstances as to why that wasn't on, uh, the case on Saturday. But likewise, they won that game. They've won their last six games. They haven't played that well in some of those games, um, yet they're winning them. It's it's uh, and at this stage of the season, it's just the the perfect timing for it all. Personally, I think it's just that they haven't taken their chances to reflect the performances. You know, they, all of these wins have been by one goal, but, you know, Hull obviously should have been by far more goals. And at Rotherham, they should have probably won 3 or 4 1 as well, because, you know, look at the chances that Pucky had. Uh, Buendia went very close. Hernandez had some chances. They, you know, if they'd have. Um, if they'd have been in top gear as they were sort of around October, November time, I think those games would have been more comfortable. But I suppose that's reflective of where we are at the season. Everyone tightens up a little bit, don't they? And you know, I suppose people are getting a little bit tired. Like that, that chance with, with Pucky when he went clean through, he seemed to have done all the hard work. And then you could just visibly see him running out of steam a little bit, took a slightly bad touch. And, you know, two months ago, you would have bet your house on Pookie to score that so it's a little bit worrying that he's going off with with Finland uh, a game against Italy as well so um, yeah I think if they'd have just scored one more goal in each game then we'd probably all be sitting here saying they're going to win the title bang on no chance that anyone's going to catch them because that would have been a, a truer reflection but yeah fair play they dug in 
Indeed, that picky chance, it surprised me how quick he was, but I couldn't work out if it was whether the defender was going backwards, <laughs> to be honest. The, the defender seemed to completely misread what he was going to do, didn't he? And then just just burst past him, but I don't know. Never mind, I'm sure he'll score again soon. No, no, I'm sure he will. It's not a, Well, it is a goal drought in terms of Tim Pookie's yeah. season, but we're certainly not, certainly not going to rib him for it. And again, he chipped in with an assist. Kenny McLean there with a goal and an assist. He Only three players have made more assists than, than Kenny this season, which is nuts. And obviously we've had the question marks over... Um, you know, well, should should it freshen up? But Rotherham actually made changes, didn't they, to their side to give them a bit of a fresh edge? Yet the same six went again for Norwich and and did it again. Kenny McLean's got the third most assists for Norwich. This no, year. I think I think th- only three players have got more assists than him. I think that's right. I'll have to double check it because now I'm doubting myself. But I think that's right. That's some stat given him out. Carry on talking about yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's sort of a symptomatic of presumably Wendy would be ahead of him, Pookie be ahead of him. I don't know who the other and one. Hernandez. And Hernandez. Must be as well. I've got to think Stephen surely's got more assists than Kenny Mack. But oh, anyway, right, it's right, a redundant maybe, argument. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Daniel. And aside from the goal and the corner that he put on Ben Godfrey's head, Daniel Farker highlighted in contrast maybe to Hull that the control from him and Tribal was a lot better albeit it was a bit harem scare at times and particularly at the end when Rotherham went quite direct but that, that was a noticeable uh, sense of order I felt in the central midfield areas that probably has been absent but that might be my concern is that you, we were saying the same against the, the Bolton win is it against the inferior sides that those two uh, are able to, to put their uh, their dominance on the a key part of the pitch I'd like to see that happening against some of the better sides who are going to play down the stretch but one thing is for sure if uh, if Kenny McLean comes back uh, free of injury from international duty it'll be him and Tribal at Middlesbrough I think that's definitively been proven now that as you say there was a lot of a debate going into the Rotherham game and the fact that he retained that same 11 I don't think he's going to change now unless he's forced to I have got that completely wrong, by the way, in terms of assists. I <laughs> <laughs> completely wrong. Um, Buendia and Pookie have have nine, Hernandez has seven, and then Stieperman, Vrancic and Aarons are all on five. So there's six players who have more, then it's Kenny on four. So um, That's just the yeah. league as well, isn't it? Yeah. So I think I might have written that so apologies to everyone I think I've got that wrong um, there we go never mind these things happen um, Rotherham fans were quite lively as we, we were obviously sitting near them and I guess that maybe when you sit um, near the home fans you're we're more inclined to take notice of them than when they're um, maybe slightly more cut adrift but it, you know I, I, they were quite a direct side I, I don't think there's any hiding that and they wanted to rough things up but they, they obviously considerably aggrieved as to how everything panned out they felt they should have had a penalty and things like this that, and the other but how did you see it Dave because they really have many complaints it was just desperation as far as I was concerned they were just doing everything they could to pile on top of the referee on top of Norwich on top of Farker they were doing everything they could to try and pile pressure on Norwich because they could see that they were going to lose that game and that at this stage of the season is costly for them to lose at home they uh, you know they are in the bottom three and as Warren had said ahead of the game once you're out of that bottom three it's that little bit easier because you know you're out of it so it's in your hands whereas when you're in the bottom three you have got to physically get those points to get that psychological feel of being out of um, out of danger so I think I think they were fairly ridiculous with some of the calls, and they were the far uh, stronger with the tackles and fouls and stuff. There was one that was quite bad on Stephenman in the first half, which I thought could have been uh, dealt with in a harsher way. 
um, yeah, the, you know, fair play, I suppose that's English football. The crowd are going to get on top of you, aren't they? But I, I thought they um, they overplayed their hand to a certain extent. I mean, what did what did you make of them? Because uh, I don't know, we don't really need to talk about them so much, I suppose. But Paul Warren obviously has an interest there, and I mean, they seem a better side than Millwall, I thought, and, and things like that in terms of their energy and how they were pursuing it. But it's obviously a tight squad and probably the smallest budget in the division by a long way. Yeah, I mean, to even be still, I mean, not Ipswich proportions have cut adrift is is a testament to the, the work Paul Warren's done there. I think by some measure they would have the smallest budget in the Championship. Um, so they're where they would have expected to be, but yeah, much of a muchness really. I thought Millwall had one or two decent players. I mean, he didn't he didn't cover himself in glory yesterday in the FA Cup, but the guy got sent off. His his delivery on the left peg, not seen much better than that in the Championship. Ferguson, I think his name is. So, and when you've got a Morrison and a Gregory, you've always got a goal threat. So I I wouldn't really draw too much distinction between them two. It'd be interesting to see Reading when we, when they come to Car Road in a week or two's time, but. Um, yeah, I mean they're just a they're just a bit of a band of brothers. You can see that, and maybe the, their home crowd buy into that as well. That it's us, it's us against the world, and um, we're gonna fight and scrap and and try and be horrible in in the nicest sense of the word to to get under the skin. And uh, you know, be- less less better or less committed and assured teams is the words I'm looking for than Norwich. May have gone under because um, they were certainly uh, they were certainly bombarded at times, both on and off the pitch. But as I say, you know, it isn't just about the quality in this Norwich team and the amount of goals. It's also the character and the fighting spirit and the resilience and the resolve. And we saw all that in abundance at Rotherham on Saturday. And remarkable discipline that they're the only side in the Championship not to have a player sent off this season. And um, although they have had a fair amount of yellow cards, I can't really remember many bad tackles. I wrote that, and be, you know, of them getting quiet or even. No, there's a lot of tactical fouling and stuff like that on the break, of course, and, and that's where you pick up your bookings. But generally, I mean, it was a steep and one wasn't there. What was that game over Christmas where he's launched himself yes. at Carrow Road? Da- he was a bit forest, forest yeah, I think it? it might have been. Yeah, and didn't Godfrey try and decapitate somebody in the derby at Portman Road? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. minutes after coming yeah. up. Close had got a red card, didn't he? Oh yeah, but it was taken uh, away. Yeah, <laughs> it was offside before that. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure that was it. But you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean overall, yeah. Um, and, and Ben Goffrey's a, a good point, I think, because I remember seeing him at the start of the season and last season, always thinking that this guy's got a red card in him pretty much every week. And we actually did it, you know, they were one or two when they were at Shrewsbury. His discipline, obviously, beyond that um, sort of um, first foray at Portman Road, has, has been exemplary and, and something he's clearly worked on. Um, I think he got sent off twice for the 23s as well in games that I saw. And may, maybe. No, I've met him twice. So, yeah, he's definitely got a hold on that. So, fair play. He loves it. He doesn't mind. <laughs> um, uh, Paddy did touch on the game at Elland Road, of course. Um, I mean, yeah, ultimately, before kickoff, we probably would have wanted a Leeds win. But um, what we got was the probably most hilarious result. Um, and it's really it's fascinating. Norwich, where they are now, they're four points clear of Sheffield United in second, five of Leeds. It's an incredible position to be in, bearing in mind they're going to Middlesbrough next. Both sides, uh, Leeds and Sheffield United, are at home. Um, I think they've got. Leeds have got Bristol City. No, Sheffield United have got Bristol City yeah. and then Leeds have got Millwall. So both will probably expect to win their respective games, um, especially given Sheffield form Sheffield United are in. Um, but they're going to have a long time to sort of... Leeds have a long time to stew on it, won't they? And it does make uh, life very interesting going forward as to how that's all going to pan out, as well as the playoff picture below them. Yeah, a long time to wallow. Um, I seem, I don't, judging a, a whole sport 
via social media is obviously not a wise thing to do but because uh, it's uh, you know people definitely do wallow on Twitter and some Leeds fans seem to have taken that defeat as you know as if it's all over for them it's far from over they of course can still catch up they can of course still catch Norwich if uh, if Norwich slip up so um, yeah as far as I saw that game Norwich won either way as long as Norwich did the business and, and won then whatever the result at Ellen Road there was a positive you could take from it a positive spin you could put on the story so um, I think I'd rather have distance between Norwich and Leeds than, than Sheffield United if if you're being frank you know who are the the better team on their day who would you bat to win more games in the final eight probably still just about say Leeds but you have to say that Chris Wilder is doing a great job at Sheffield United and I think we've said it a few times already throughout this season but he is just draining every ounce of blood sweat and tears out of them so um, I mean who scored the winner a a defender playing in midfield so (laughs) Chris Basham um, yeah, it's it's very nicely poised for for quite an exciting running, isn't it? It is indeed, and, and Middlesbrough are involved in that. And I I, I noticed on the Q and A pad, you you said this that actually the two week break for Middlesbrough, as much as they're in free fall, might do them some good just to collect some thoughts and get themselves together a bit. Yeah, they look to be taking on a lot of water. Um, you know, <laughs> was it free? Was it free nil or free one at Villa? Three but three nil. Three nil. Yeah, I mean. If you stopped now and, and said pick your four to get into the playoffs, I don't think I don't think I'd be putting Borough in there because from Borough in fifth, I think they are at a minute down to Forest in eleventh is a four point spread. So you know the Prestons, the Villas, um, Sheffield Wednesday. There's some some clubs in far better form, but we all know Pulis what he did at Stoke. He's a very shrewd operator, and yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too much store by the fact they, they, they've limped into the international break in terms of what Norwich will face when they go to, to the Riverside. That's going to be a very difficult game. And I think you made the point on the Q&A, another one where the two closest to them will have kicked off at three, the result will be in, and uh, the pressure will then ratchet onto Norwich if it's both have got home wins and, and tightened it up again. So um, very similar dynamic maybe to the weekend we've just had, but... Yeah, and of course, there's a certain Johnny Housen as well. We don't need any heroics from that man. No, but as long as he's playing at right wing back, which will certainly help. OK, our gongs of the week, shall we? The big Duncan Forbes hero of the week. Who's shone for you, Dave? Uh, well, I'll stick Emmy Buendia's name in first because, of course, we had the whole game as well, didn't we, um, before we went to Rotherham and his two goals against Rotherham. Um, didn't quite find the back of the net on Saturday and was still pretty good, although it wasn't an ideal game for his type, was it, you know, wet and windy. Um, but he still, at, at times, looked far too sharp for, for the sort of giants playing around him. Um, so, yeah, he can just about get my nomination. I agree with that. Yeah, I was going to suggest him or throw a left field one in Stuart Webber for getting Farker's deal over the line. Um, yes. You know, there's been a lot of, well, publicly anyway, concern inevitably because um, with Norwich on the rise, inevitably Farker's star was on the rise and uh, you wouldn't have wanted a situation where he was poached either in England or Germany. I thought it was interesting we went and spoke to him and he said there were offers when he first joined from England so if that was the case two years ago you can guarantee there would have been interest so sadly there was a little bit of a protracted process you know there was other other people involved as always with these things it's never straightforward it's never, um, but ultimately the fact that him and his coaching staff have signed on however this pans out between now and the end of this season we all hope in a, a Premier League 
promotion but if it isn't to be then you do get the sense with those two at the helm then the club's in very very safe hands and that must reassure a lot of Norwich fans I would have thought Indeed yeah Championship managers don't tend to do long term so it's, it's a remarkable situation to be I'd kind of forgotten that we hadn't done a podcast since, since the whole uh, contract uh, shenanigans were sorted as well I mean it did, did sort of strike me that and I did a Q&A with the Canaries Trust with, with Stuart Webber and, and mentioned this to him that um, no one no one kind of ruffled the feathers you know it, 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 other teams looking for marginal gains Leeds, Sheffield United whoever you know Norwich's manager was out of contract in the summer the negotiations they said Paddy were clearly protracted they took longer and were probably more awkward than they'd hoped for they probably would have wanted it sorted ages ago never mind getting into the final couple of months not sure entirely whether the manager was going to stay on it the, that you know you'd have thought that would have put the, the sort of um, the wind up a, a, f- a few people and maybe just try to ruffle those feathers for Norwich yeah Stuart sort of talked a bit more about that at the Q&A, Q&A on Thursday night didn't he and said that him and Daniel had said from the outset that no relationships can be damaged by these talks um, and also Stuart sort of praised Daniel's representatives as well for not uh, capitalising on the situation you know perhaps leaking to a national newspaper that whoever Schalke or whoever the val- vacancies whichever vacancy was going at the time linking Daniel to it I mean there was um, one link with Leverkusen I think wasn't it in December of time um, although that uh, at the time the vacancy hadn't actually come up and that was because the sporting director had mentioned Daniel although he was sort of mentioning him, him as a future option more wasn't he at the time and then there was one last summer as well which was Hanover Hamburg yeah Hamburg you're right Hanover was closer wasn't it um, Hamburg um, when there was a vacancy but again that was filled fairly soon so Weber was basically pleased with the way that things were, were all above board you know it could have all become a lot more messy but it didn't and we move on in great spirit going ole a lot which is obviously great um, okay Kevin Muscat villain of the week um, obviously this podcast is dedicated to the Rotherham fans and yeah, for, well, for their efforts there is no other alternative <laughs> well I've never seen a performance from start to finish as I mean, we've done a lot of games haven't we Paddy so it's not yeah. like you know we, we've not seen this these sort of things before on the pitch but the best barb was at the final whistle when he ran down the gangway saying well you'll be back down in the season which if he turns as a positive means he thinks they're going to get promoted so <laughs> we'll take that if it wasn't for Paul Warren I'd happily see them relegated <laughs> yeah uh, I was kind of fortunate I was the other side of the press box wasn't I so That's I true, yeah. I, uh, I didn't really get much of it to be honest um, so I got lucky but yeah I mean you know we've been to Millwall and Leeds and all these sort of places and there is one quite shouty guy at Leeds but he doesn't direct it at the at the press does he whereas I, I've never heard of or never really seen home supporters having a go at the media um, because clearly in the press box even the club staff don't jump around you know maybe there's the odd little bit of celebration for a big goal but we don't celebrate goals away from home because you have to be respectful and stuff don't you we don't generally celebrate goals at home either do we because we're busy but um, and entirely professional and, yeah and trying to act professional but as we all admitted when O'Neill Hernandez scores an equaliser to come back from 3-0 down in the 97th minute or whatever it was you're going to get a little bit excited so but beyond that, um, yeah, I've, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. The one one that always sticks in my mind is Barnsley. There's a really annoying um, elderly lady who sits quite near the press box who's just got this really shrill sc- sort of cheer, and she doesn't she doesn't shut up. Like no one else around her seems to 
um, join in with her, she just goes on and on and on. The whole game is really tedious. So I'm hoping that we can miss a chance to go back to Barnsley next season. Well, uh, indeed, because Tony's just written all that down and that'll be clipped out on the pink and Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be getting, we'll be there again next year, uh, which is all good. I, I just... Uh, I, the bit I didn't get I mean in fairness the Rotherham, a lot of Rotherham fans I've, I saw praise the 2,615 Norwich City fans for being the loudest that have been there all season and bearing in mind that Leeds and Sheffield United have both been there and you know sometimes maybe Norwich get a bit of stick for not being as loud as some other fans but the bit that got me is that have they not been watching Championship football all season are you honestly telling me that there was stuff there that they'd never seen before like oh my god the three substitutions in three, 90, in three minutes of injury time it pushed them over the edge they couldn't believe it it was like oh my god what are you doing so they're winning the game. That's what they're doing. Come on. Parker's invented a new tactic there, isn't he? I've never seen it before, oh, using subs to uh, roll, <laughs> roll down the time. Just, um, I know there's old school, but anyway. It's, a, yeah, it's obviously a Yorkshire thing, so good on them. I know. It was yesterday in the FA Cup game at Millwall, Brighton in an FA Cup quarterfinal, and they didn't sell out the bottom tier of the away stand at, at Millwall. Well, they won't probably have had it on sale. Really? I think that's the thing. I think Norwich were incredibly lucky that Millwall and the police allowed them to um, have the bottom tier because most teams say no and I, I know a lot of Leeds fans are saying look they, even Norwich have got the lower tier at Millwall because they, they're clearly Leeds Millwall you're not going to open up the bottom tier in that stand so um, and I think there were even Millwall fans of the Millwall fan who went and spoke to his son or whatever saying there you go son look, there's two tiers there you won't see that very often because literally that's the den okay well then mind them I was I thought it was a bit odd that Brighton hadn't sold out the that tier when that's pretty short trip isn't it yeah indeed yeah. which probably didn't help either <laughs> to be honest with the rivalry um, well that's all that done then isn't it uh, Simeon Jackson moment of the week hmm still got to be Buendia's flick for me uh, that was the moment that got everyone ooing and ahhing in Carrow Road wasn't it for ahead of the third goal um, I don't remember seeing uh, a piece of skill executed quite like that at Carrow Road by a Norwich player um not live certainly um, you know we've obviously seen some special stuff but to to pull that off mid-game for ahead a of what proved to be a winning goal was pretty special and um, you know ahead of that Q&A on, on Thursday night um, got to have a, a chat with Stuart Webber sort of off the record before he started doing answering his questions and you could tell he was extremely impressed with it as well can you? <laughs> yeah I think he called it the best thing, one of the best things he'd seen live yeah. at football himself um, whereas I only heard it because I had my head in my laptop and I just uh, there's a there's a clip on, on Twitter of everyone going oh it's like this there's sort of slightly different intonation whereas I was like what what have I missed what did you, did you manage to see it Paddy yeah, so, yeah, yeah it was special mate special. <laughs> Stuart said as well his quote during the Q&A was um, it was one of the most special things I've ever seen and I've had the pleasure to watch Barcelona and Real Madrid live so he was definitely bigging it up We'd be playing for him at one point, won't he? Old Emmy. Did you get on the valuation? <laughs> it's all part of the talking up. Um, are you yeah, agreed? And agreed? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I was going to, as a comedy moment, oh, yeah. DF flagged this up. And uh, yeah, anybody who's seen um, the Godfrey celebrations <laughs> from Rotherham, he's basically, as he's turned to face the away end, Max Aarons has come up behind him and he's basically stood on Max Aarons, who's then jumping about like he's. Uh, <laughs> Well, basically, he's walked across hot coals, and given the closeness of those two and the bants they have on social media, I'm sure that that was uh, one of the hot topics in the dressing room. It's very, very funny. So you basically got Ben Godfrey oblivious and Max Aaron's hopping about in pain. <laughs> Classic. And that's happened to him before, isn't it? Um, 
the Millwall goal, the four three, the Pookie one that yes. one. I think it was was it Rhodes that they almost smacked heads because they were try, charging in to try and celebrate and nearly knocked each other out. So uh, yeah, Max obviously likes his celebrations. <laughs> Fire in the heart, ice in the mind, isn't it? Or one of those things. <laughs> where plasters on the foot. No, plasters on the foot, exactly. Okay, uh, mailbag time then, shall we? Discussions led by your emails, tweets, and other interaction, of course. Um, as I said, you can normally get hold of us on uh, social media. Um, we tend to ask these questions on Twitter just before we go live too, so make sure you get in touch with us on there. Or you can email us with uh, an email to thepinken at archant.co.uk. So um, let's have a quick look on Twitter. Tell you what, we'll answer the questions on uh, from Twitter on the Extra Time podcast. So I will do those on there. Instead, we'll do these uh, emailed ones, if I may. In fact, they were one of these was postponed from last week. Uh, and uh, Paul posed it, and then Paul posed us another one. So I'll read out his, uh, his first uh, email, if I may. Uh, he says, hello there. Uh, the international break is coming. Unfortunately, countries have Euro qualifiers rather than meaningless friendlies. Uh, fortunately he's done the work for us here Finland are away to Italy and Armenia uh, so I don't think there's any way we can wrap Pookie in cotton wool and stop him playing bearing in mind Rhodes will also be unavailable for the Sheffield Wednesday game thoughts I also assume Lewis will be playing for Northern Ireland will O'Neill have a long trip so uh, where are we with the international games gents O'Neill has had a long trip because he's in Dubai sunning it up according to Instagram today <laughs> but not he's not playing for Cuba because uh, he isn't able to play for Cuba for a weird reason moment, yeah. political reason they don't like playing players who don't play football in Cuba which seems absurd because I can't imagine many people play football at any reasonable level in Cuba at all but um, no O'Neill hasn't got a long trip um, I mean overall you know you just got to deal with it um, keep your fingers crossed um, it's good for it is probably good for McLean and Closer you'd have thought Closer will keep his place because Switzerland's last game they beat Belgium 5-2 didn't they which sort of turned a few heads and Closer played the full 90 minutes for that so he may even start that would be a, a massive help for him and for Daniel really and McLean you wouldn't want to really disrupt him but equally if there are issues that emerge from this break I, I'm not worried you know we look at the bench Paul Warren said it after the game didn't he he jokingly said uh, I think their bench was a little bit better than us <laughs> so you know it's a heck of a five a side team you've got on there so you never know it may even give Daniel the opportunity to rotate things when uh, otherwise he couldn't well, that's an interesting point. We might well come on to that. I mean, it's kind of similar to the suggestion of Norwich fans looking at the division going, oh, Leeds and Sheffield United, they're just not dropping any points, are they? Whereas phew, Norwich, if we crumble completely, <laughs> it'll all go wrong. Um, and actually, might come on to that in a moment as well. But uh, it's an interesting point, isn't it, that actually Daniel has tended to make changes after international breaks because he's had players yeah. back um, in Norwich to work with. But that was maybe more last season than this, I'm thinking. Yeah, pro- yeah and I think six out of six with the six, same six starting at 11 he's a very tempting formula to keep it as it is all I would add is talking of Closer and Han- uh, Hanley Closer and um, McLean they've got some serious travel I think McLean has to go to Kazakhstan I think Switzerland they're playing Georgia away so they, you know, these, there's some, some serious long haul and uh, it's not so much the games probably as much as the, the travel um, but ultimately closer well he's not dislodging Zimmerman or Godfrey is he unless there's an injury so 
you know, for him it's probably beneficial to go and play some football. Um, and McLean hasn't had a lot of football, albeit he's now firmly in the mix in the last month, six weeks. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Alec McLean uses him in, in, in a front-line way. But, um, yeah, for me, the one con- the big one concern would be Pookie, you know, because he, he does look, a little, as Dave touched on earlier, he looks a bit weary now, as if it's all, all caught up with him. He's played a lot of football for club and country this season. And the prospect of one slash two more games for his country, and obviously against Italy, well, you would have to assume that Finland will be doing a lot of running without the ball in that game. And uh, muscular injuries, that would be my concern with him, because if he comes back crocked, yes, Rhodes Rhodes is a viable option, but the whole dynamic of how they play is completely different with Rhodes in that team, and that's an unwanted uh, uh, X-factor in terms of uh, moving forward for the final eight games. So for me, it's just Pookie getting back in one piece. I think all the others you could probably compensate for if they were to come back. Maybe not Maybe not Jamal, although you could say Heiser would come into the equation then. Um, and maybe maybe not Max Ahrens, but if you're going to pick one out, who needs to come back the way they left? It's Timu Pookie. He's the one with the cotton wool, yes, Dave? He, uh, yeah, he did come back from an international break with an injury in October, didn't he? He uh, did his hamstring and that meant Rhodes came in for a couple of games. Did That was when he scored the two goals against Villa, wasn't it? So I think we all know that, that Jordan's a good good backup. Like you say, you've got Heiser. Um, Max, if Max... You've got Passac there. You've still got Pinto in the building. If you needed to, you could probably move Godfrey to right back and bring one of Closer or Hanley back in. There are plenty of options. I'm, I'm really not too worried. Uh, Max hopefully will be okay. The last, because uh, they have three games, the 19s, but the group that he's with there, the majority of those guys aren't playing regular first team football like he is, let alone starting what, 33 league games in succession and finishing all but one. So I, I, they will use him sparingly, I think, is generally the, the gist with that. Even though they're qualifiers for the 19s, I don't think they'll flog him because it doesn't make sense from anyone's point of view, does it? I, just, I mean, it does feel like the guy's been playing a full season of championship football. What is the point of him going away with England under-19s? Slightly different with Ben Godfrey because he hasn't really played in, in the international fold at all. So for them to have a look at him at 20s is fair dues. But... What's the point of Max going playing under-19 football, apart from the 19s advancing their cause, obviously? Yeah, because they've got a tournament to play for next summer, so I guess they, they want that. But um, Ben, I think it must be an audition for the 21s, because he is already 21, so he's probably not going to be long for the 20s group. It's essentially a, a chance to, to stake his claim, I suppose. Um, but yeah, with, with Max, you just got to just got to hope that they're sensible haven't you yes indeed and that's exactly what Norwich will do uh, I think the point I didn't quite make last time but a moment ago but meant to was that obviously Norwich aren't the only team with and club with players going away on international yeah, duty yeah. And, and Leeds in fairness have picked up a couple of injuries in, in normal time Kamir, Kamar Roof is still out uh, Pontus Janssen's now out for a few weeks um, not so long so um, but long enough at this stage of the season and especially given Easter is of course just around the corner as well um, Paul did send another email uh, because we did postpone his, his question a, a week so he got back in touch uh, which was an email before the last two games so he was clearly fretting a little bit that Norwich might end up being um, third or, or at first he wasn't entirely sure but um, he was worrying that it's kind of win or bust this season um, he has a nightmare scenario where we end up losing in the playoff final on penalties to West Brom which would then mean we'll already be a month behind other clubs in planning for next season and agents start getting involved I'm hoping that there aren't any release clauses that can be activated that we might have agreed to last season something that a lot of foreign players 
players like Buendia seem to have and the big clubs and their money start offering say treble players wages and then we get in the situation where we can't really deny them the opportunity even though they are under contract uh, we could end up selling Aaron's Lewis Godfrey and Pucky for 60 million pounds plus sell-ons uh, and then a German club comes and looking for a new manager and then we are back at square one having to find virtually a new team now I mean Paul I, I think we all have that in us as football fans to maybe fear the worst sometimes but I, I think we might be all that's, right. that's called the Armageddon scenario that is. <laughs> I mean, in fairness that's also before Daniel signed his contract exactly. and that was announced So, um, but you know Paul I th- I, we all feel for you there it's alright a little bit of belief a little bit of belief yeah the Armageddon scenario sums it up well but going back to there again Weber at the Q&A on Thursday night he he stressed that the plan isn't going to be drastically different if they go up to what it is now because as I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of um, we need to find more Emmy Buendias. It's not like Norwich are going to get promoted and all of a sudden have £30 million to spend in their pocket. It's just not going to happen like that. They're still going to have to find creative solutions is sort of the, the phrase they've used a lot. And you look at the the mid Premier League teams who have been successful like your Watfords and your Bournemouths and stuff I know now they are spending more money but they've had to bring in a lot of European Watford particularly have brought in a lot of European talent that nobody else was looking at they've taken a gamble on they've probably there's probably been half of those have disappeared back into nowhere and we've ne- we don't even remember their names already but then you've got players who've come through and are keeping them established as a Premier League mid-table team so it's not like Norwich are going to go up and they're going to start buying £20 million players you, you need to be established for what four or five years before you can start looking to that point so I I think well it's clear that Weber has a plan thank goodness because he is in charge of the the shop at the moment okay uh, brilliant stuff thank you uh, Paul for your emails of course we love the fact that you've got in touch and taken the time that's what we really appreciate Uh, we'll answer the other questions from the mailbag in the Pink and uh, Norwich City podcast extra time and normally we do the week ahead but I think we've covered it all off really with international duty we know that Middles was coming up on the other side and we'll do a podcast uh, well I'm actually off will you do a podcast next Monday we'll do our best yeah do for me <laughs> and back on uh, the pink and show is back on wednesday too so that will be up as a podcast as well of course for you to listen to um but uh in terms of the life football we'll have to wait to slightly longer than normal any other business any other business no i think that's it just hoping we can wrap up so i can continue eating my uh, fruit and coconut oh, flapjack extraordinary <laughs> discipline there tony any other business no i think paul Said it all, didn't he? <laughs> We've got on for, for you. Absolutely. Um, brilliant stuff. All right, then. Well, we, we are done. Uh, thanks all for listening, getting involved. Much appreciate it. Remember, pinkin.com for the latest Norwich City news, analysis, opinion, and transfer insight. We'll be back with you each and every Monday, so make sure you keep in touch with us, of course. Uh, we'll answer that earlier quiz question as well um, as uh, discussing a few more of your questions from Mailbag. That's in the Pink and Norwich City podcast. Extra time. Go get the Pinkin app to watch that or listen to it. Uh, Until next time, here's to there being enough cotton wool headed out of Norfolk to keep us all happy come the same time next week. Goodbye.